Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Pagani, joined alongside Assistant GM General Manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Josh Flynn. Josh, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, you know, you're in the car. Where are you off to? Uh, we're just getting out of uh, town for the weekend. Uh, we have a lake house. We're renting a lake house for the weekend to uh, change scenery. It's been in our house for three months almost, so. Well, that's good. It's good to get away from, uh, you know, the house and almost get away from everything, you know, because of how crazy it is. Absolutely. So lots of people have watched uh, Tiger King, among other hit TV shows. What else have you been doing during quarantine? Oh, uh, I actually had, we were, we were quite busy for uh, the first two months of it anyway. Um other than, you know, watching Netflix like everybody else. But um, we, we, we got some contracts done. We've been planning for different kinds of return-to-play scenarios. We had our scouting meetings, uh, preparing for the draft that took a couple weeks. Uh, we've had meetings with our pro scouts. We've had meetings with our management group. So just trying to stay prepared for whenever we get back rolling again and when business gets closer to normal. Have you ever watched? Have you ever been watching like the NASCAR or Bundesliga ever since it's returned? So I never watched a Bundesliga, well, maybe one Bundesliga game before this, and now I've watched probably five in the last week or so that it's been back. Um, it's good to have live sports back. I watched the uh, uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson uh, golf match that was on the weekend. Uh, but, but like with the team sports, it's really interesting to see what um, what the Bundesliga is doing, and, and and you know they're kind of the canary in the coal mine for the rest of us, and uh, we're all hoping it goes, or at least I'm hoping it goes off without a hitch and does well, and um, you know it's a sign of good things to come. Yeah, I'm sure everyone is sports thirsty, and I'm sure that the TV ratings have gone up for both NASCAR and Bundesliga ever since its return. I, I'm not sure if they have or haven't. I would, I would hope that they have, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, speaking on your uh, past, how did you get into general managing? Um, I was uh, a law student, and uh, I grew up in, in Toronto, and uh, always wanted to be in management in the NHL, and uh, went to law school in Denver, Colorado, uh, where I started working with an, an agency and um, got my foot in the door that way. And they knew I always wanted to go onto the management side and help me open some doors and uh, made them move to Columbus a little over 12 years ago and uh, have been at it ever since. How busy are you during the season? During the season? Yeah. Uh, during a normal season, I'm, I'm on the road probably half the month in the office, the other half, uh, you know, different times of the year call for different things. Um, early in the season is not so much in the way of research and contract stuff. We get our analytics up and going and we're just kind of tracking stuff, but it's not, not real conclusions early in the year. Um, we have a team that works on that and good people that work on that, um, and then I, I'll spend a lot of time early in the season on the road because it's less busy in the office and uh, you can get out there and see a lot and get a good reading of the league under your belt. And uh, then as we get closer to the trade deadline, it's kind of more around the team. I travel with the team some, 
Uh, we have meetings internally, get ready for that. And then uh, after the trade deadlines, get ready for the playoffs, get ready for the draft, get ready for free agency. So there's always, there's always a lot to do. So what would be a typical game day for you? Typical game day? Um, generally, we'll go in in the morning, watch morning skate, meet with our management group, um, go home for a bit, come back uh, mid-afternoon, um, get some work done, see if there's any, anything we need to meet about and cover, and we just watch the game. And I'll, I'll file a report on our games. I'll look at the analytics on our games. Um, and otherwise just, you know, see, see how our team does. Now you speak upon analytics. Do you ever go into uh, deep analytics like Corsi and that stuff? Yeah, of course. Um, Cor- Corsi has been around for a long time. Um, that, that was kind of the, one of the foundational pieces uh, that teams started to use for analytics. And, and we've, we've got gone even deeper than that um, with a lot of microstat tracking that we get from, sport logic and from a couple other sources to kind of piece together uh are on the junior level and then uh, we'll expand that to take in uh, what the league's going to start tracking next year uh with their player puck tracking system how stressful is it on trade deadline that that's a pretty stressful day for sure um you're generally up early you're in the office early i'm usually in the office by 7 30 or 8 in the morning and then you're watching the clock the whole time. And we'll be sitting there. Yarmo's phone will be ringing. We're, we're tossing trade ideas around. We're responding to trade ideas. We're discussing them as a group. We're trying to figure out what makes sense. We've done a lot of homework before that, so we have a lot of groundwork set. But uh, on that day, it kind of all comes together. And you got to have your wits about you because, you know, everything's under that, that gun of the 3 o'clock deadline. So as, as it gets closer to 3 o'clock, things tend to heat up. And you just got to be sharp and ready to, to think fast. And, and it's a really exciting day. Um, when, when 3 o'clock hits, it feels like it's 8 o'clock at night and you're ready to go home and take a nap. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure you're very tired but, by the uh, end of it since you're up so early. Game after that, so. Yeah, for sure. But not only that, like the days leading up to it are long. The days leading up to it are kind of like mini trade deadline day. There's, there's lots of action. There's lots of calls. There's lots of things to discuss. And you, you're just you're just thinking your mind's working a million miles a minute. So um, by by the time that day comes to an end, it's 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 taken a little bit out of you, yeah. Now, how much control do you have over um, NHL draft picks? Uh, I I wouldn't say I have that much control. Uh, we we have we have a great amateur scouting staff. Um, it's they're the ones out there watching watching the players all year. Um, we. Uh, for me, like, uh, I'll, I'll advise them and advise Yarmo on, uh, you know, maybe if we should trade back or trade up, um, something like that makes sense, um, and, and try and provide them insight to help them manage the draft and, you know, get expectations for, you know, if there's a guy on our list that we like, is he going to go maybe a little later? Is he going to go earlier? But, but as far as deciding on the players, that's up to the guys who, who do the work all year. Now, you did get promoted to assistant general manager this past June. What were your feelings when you got that call? Uh, I, was, I was very excited. It's a, it's a position I'd, I'd worked for that title for a long time. Um, not, not a whole lot changed in my job, maybe just a little bit. Um, but it was, you know, recognition for the work I'd done. So I was, I was very, very glad to receive that promotion. 
You were around when the Blue Jackets won their first road and home playoff game in 2014 against Pittsburgh, right? Yes, I was. What did that? Uh, what did both of those wins mean to you? Um, both both of them, both of them were, were very special in their own ways. I mean, the the, the first one, Game Two in Pittsburgh, uh, Matt Calvert scores double overtime, and our, our first playoff series. I was there for that one too, and we got swept. We lost Game One against Pittsburgh. That that game, and we were up in Game One, and, and we they came back and won. Uh, game two, if I remember correctly, was more of a seesaw affair, and it went to overtime. And I just remember pacing the hallways in the press box in Pittsburgh between the first and second intermission, and then Matty Calvert scores in overtime, and it was just, it's just like, it's it's a feeling you can't describe to watch your team win a playoff game in overtime. And then, of course, the the, the game four win on home ice was probably more memorable for, for everybody, and, and everybody in Columbus has seen the highlights over and over and there's, there's actually highlights of me jumping up and down in the press box after that after that goal went in to win the game and Nick Foligno scored from just inside the blue line but we, we were down 3-1 and we came back uh Brandon Dubinsky tied the game with about 30 seconds left in the third to force overtime and so it was just exciting to get over get get to overtime on home ice which uh we'd never done before and then and then uh, the roof almost came off when we wanted an OT would you agree or disagree that those wins, the first playoff uh, home and road win, were long overdue? Uh, sure. I mean, I, it, it took 14 years, so I, I would, I, I'm sure that the city and the franchise would have loved to have win it earlier. But um, it, it, was, it was sweet when they did come, yeah. Now, this past playoffs, Columbus did shock the world and pulled off a complete bracket buster as they swept the Tampa Bay Lightning what were your reactions when that happened? Um, I mean, it was it, it was intense, it, and and you know even going into Game Four, as, as good as Tampa was, you you didn't think it was over until it was over. I mean, I, I remember being in Tampa for Game One, and we fell behind three nothing, and, and and against a team like that, you know it, it was it, it was hard at that point to, to kind of visualized the way out but our guys stuck with it and turned the tide we came back and won that game and then we really took it to them in game two and then it was like okay we, we've got something here and, and um, just to watch the guys execute a system and, and, and play for each other um, I, I was really proud of them I was really proud of the team we, we, we helped put put together and uh, just to see it come together and pull off a, a, you know a historic win like that it was it was a special moment that I'll remember for a long time. Well, I mean, credit's got to be given to you as well, since you helped with some of the trading. Well, I mean, I, I, I will accept any credit anybody wants to give, but I mean, credit, credit first to the players. I mean, uh, they, they came together and they, they found a way to do that, and, and it was quite an accomplishment to our coaching staff. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I am proud of the role that I, the small role I played in it, and uh you know, you, you, you work, you work as a team to achieve these things. And, and when you're, when you can be a part of it and then see the result that the team comes up with, I mean, it's, it's very gratifying for sure. Now that Columbus team did become the first team in NHL history to sweep a president's trophy winning team. Do you ever think there's a curse that comes with the president's trophy? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't really buy into that. I mean, winning playoff series is, is very hard. Uh, every year, 
there's several very good teams that can win the cup. I mean, let's say you'd say there's six or seven or eight really good teams. All of them are, are cup worthy. I mean, you're still only looking at a 12.5% chance that you're going to win the cup if you're one of those teams. Um, winning the President's Trophy. There's been plenty of President's Trophy winners that have won the cup. It's not like it's, it's something that happens once every 20 years. I mean, lot, lots of them do win. Um, but it's just, it's by far no guarantee that, that winning the President's Trophy is going to get there. But no, I don't think it's a curse. Now, with your job entailing you to deal with salary cap, what's the biggest problem with that? Uh, I don't know that there's a biggest problem. I mean, right now, there's a lot of uncertainty where we don't know where the cap's going to go. Normally, by this time of the year, you would have that clarity. And it makes it easier to plan and easier to game out your scenarios for the offseason and the coming seasons and, you know, where you want guys to fit. Um, but this year it's, it's a little challenging. I mean, it's, it's a unique challenge this year um, to try and plan for that, knowing the cap might not go up, it might go down, it might go up a little bit. So it, it, it's a total twist from before, the, before, you know, coronavirus, everybody would have thought the cap's going up. So you, you got to think on your feet again and, and, and just try and regame it all out. And actually that's, twice, that's one of the things we spend a lot of time on. Uh, the first few weeks of uh, the shutdown. Now, with uh, free agency, it's uh, definitely pretty hard to find. Uh, we've seen over the history of the NHL, it's, it can be hard to find what both sides want with the player and the team. How hard is that? Uh, like, how hard is it to find a fit? Or yeah, yeah. How hard is it to find, like, the middle ground for both the team and the player to feel great? Well, I think when you get to free agency, the market will kind of dictate that. You, I mean, now they have this interview period for a few days before you can actually sign players. So it, teams have teams have more time to talk to players. Players have more time to get a feel for who's interested, um, get a feel for what the market might be like. So I, I think, you know, the, the cost is the cost. I think you, you make a decision on if you, you know, what, what kind of price range you're going to be in. And then it kind of, solves it out um, if the player wants to come to you you know what, what market value is which kind of comes to the forefront pretty quick so uh, I think as long as the player is happy with the fit and you're happy with the fit for the player you end up feeling happy with the money with the 2014 playoff format the Blue Jackets are set to face the Toronto Maple Leafs who could be the X factor for the Blue Jackets against that series well I, I, I mean there's lots of players on our team that can be an X factor. We're, we're, we're getting, we're getting healthy, which is big. I mean, Seth Jones is an all-star defenseman and it's, it's received Morris trophy votes before we're getting him back. So certainly that the, the reintroduction of him to our lineup is going to help getting Oliver Bjorkstrand is going to help. Um, how our goaltending plays is going to go a long way as it always does in the playoffs. Um, sometimes you don't know where the X factor is going to come from. It's uh there's lots of unsung players that become playoff heroes. So we'll, we'll look to see who can make their mark. And um, if, if, if any, any team, if we're, if it's going to succeed in playoffs, especially the way we play, it's going to be uh, by playing as a team and uh, getting, uh, getting there as a team. Now fans around the league have been saying that the winner of this year's Stanley cup will be attached with an asterisk. Uh, do you agree with that chatter? Um, 
and that's that's discussion for the fans. I'm sure if we if we won the cup, it would be a moment we would treasure for the rest of our lives. Everybody that's involved, and uh, I, I don't believe they'll be putting any asterisks engraved on the Stanley Cup. So your your name will be on there regardless of what the fans say about whether there's an asterisk or not. So. How do you make sure that the team doesn't buy into those talks, that, the, that those talks don't get to the team mentally? Uh, it's not really something I'm that worried about, to be honest with you. I mean, we have, we have a good group of professionals, and uh, I, I, I don't think that will enter their mind. Now, John Tortorella has been a, ca- a character when in front of the media. Is he the same off camera? No, not at all. He's... Uh, I mean, everybody's a character, right? I mean, everybody uh, has, has something about them that, that you know, uh, when, you, when you look at them in a, in a window like the media, something will stand out about them. But he, he's, uh, he comes off a certain way to the press and has this reputation. But if you, if you know him and, and, and you work with him and you're, you're on a team with him, he's, he's a really great guy. Uh, he cares a lot. Um, he's very well prepared, uh, very good coach. Um, and it's been a pleasure to work with him for the past five years. Do you believe that the media can portray his character in a different way than intended? Um, I don't know. The media does all kinds of things that we can't control. That is very true. Uh, so I am from Burlington, and it is very special to the community when a player makes it to the NHL. Uh, what are your thoughts on Josh Anderson and where he came from? Uh, Josh Anderson is, I mean, coming into the league as a fourth-round pick. I mean, the odds are always against you as a fourth-round pick, plus 20 become players of quality in the NHL. Um, to see everything he's done throughout his career – uh, from London to uh, the AHL winning a Calder Cup to being a big part of our teams over the years. Um, it's a great story, and, and we're proud of him, what he's become as a player. Now, are you able to – I know you got injured this year. Are you able to provide any health updates to the fans? Uh, I don't think that's for me to do at this time, but um, I know Yarmo mentioned in an interview yesterday we're getting close to health on most guys. We're going to have pretty much everybody back when and if we resume. Now, the NHL and local media outlets are replaying past games until the NHL starts back up again. Uh, are you getting bored of those reruns? I've seen two of them, yeah. Uh, been on there, they had um, World Cup, and I, it's 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 sad that living in the U.S. I haven't been able to watch some of those because I'd like to watch some of those. But I've I, I've picked up some of the cup clinchers on NHL Network. Um, FS Ohio replayed our whole series against Tampa. I watched a good portion of that. Um, Fox Sports Ohio replay replayed uh, the game where we won the Calder Cup in Cleveland. I watched that one. So here and there, I've been been kind of chiming in when it's an interesting game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's good that it's been out there, and you know, people can relive memories. I saw, I think Sportsnet's replaying the uh, or NHL Network is replaying the entire uh, 2002 Eastern Conference Finals today, and uh, not home, but I would have liked to watch that. I, I was at a few games of those series back when I was in college, uh, watching the Leafs. So uh, that was a good series for sure.
Now, throughout the, I guess you could call this the isolation interview for me, I've been interviewing a good amount of play-by-play people. Are the guidelines different for our front office members regarding when you do go back to the arena? We're still waiting to hear, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I don't know for, you know, who needs to be down in the locker room around the players, who needs to be in the building. Who needs to be traveling with the team? We're, we're still in waiting to see mode and waiting for guidance from the league. In spite of fans not being able to return to the arenas this year, how big would it how big would it be for the city of Columbus to be not or to be earned as the Eastern Conference hub city? Uh, I don't want to speak too much about that, but I'm sure uh, just as as a Columbus resident, I'm sure it would, would be a source of pride for um, the city to host an event like that and. I'm sure it would be good for the economy, but uh, that's out of our hands, and um, we'll we'll see what happens. Did anything surprise you from Batman's press conference on Tuesday? Uh, Not really. I mean, the league is good about consulting with teams along the way and soliciting feedback, and early in the process, I think they were listening to a lot of teams. So, I mean, we get regular updates from the league, and um, I don't think, and then of course, people are leaking stuff out too. So that there was a lot of it, you know, came out over the weekend, and there, there was. There, I don't know that there were too many huge shocks from what he said, but um, we're we're just glad to be inching closer to a return. Now, final question here: Do you have any advice for aspiring general managers? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody that wants to get into management, I mean. There's, there's a way in, uh, even if you didn't play the game at a high level or, you know, you, you don't have any connections right now. I, I certainly did not have any, any connections in hockey uh, when I broke into the business. Just work hard, be passionate, uh, make sure your passion comes through in your work, uh, build relationships, uh, don't shy away from sharing your work with people who are in the business, who can both give you feedback and who will speak on your behalf, uh, that will go a long way. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank Josh Flynn, the Assistant General Manager for the Columbus Blue Jackets, for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here.